Welcome to the Change Lives, Changing Lives podcast, a ministry of Locust Hill Baptist Church in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. My name is Michael Hodge, Senior Pastor at Locust Hill. At Locust Hill, we celebrate the change that God alone could bring in our lives, and we also recognize the calling to share that good news with others. Lives changed by Christ, changing lives by Christ. We welcome you to this podcast where we want to equip you to live in the reality of a life changed by Christ. Disciple making is at the core of a church's calling, and we want to take advantage of every resource we can to encourage you today. We invite you to join us for a service Sundays at 10.15 a.m., Wednesdays 6.30 p.m. Our church is located at 5534 Locust Hill Road in Travelers Rest, South Carolina. Our website is locusthillchurch.org. Thank you for joining us today. Let us know how we can encourage you. All right, so welcome to the Change Lives, Changing Lives podcast. I'm here with Will Beecham, and we're sitting down with Braden Ray for this episode. Very grateful that this worked out for us to be able to sit down together. Our listeners are going to hear this episode several weeks after we're recording it. But this evening, Braden is one of three students that is sitting down in our evening service to share with all of our church family how God used them this summer to be on mission. And so for those who are able to be there in the service... This is going to offer you a chance to reflect back a little bit on what you heard and probably hear a few more things than we'll have time to share this evening. But beyond that gathering, my prayer is that many more are going to hear how God used Braden and we're going to just see God call more people to step out and serve. So that's one of the goals that we have with the podcast is to see where God is at work in the lives of our students, our adults, share those stories so that others will begin to pray in the same direction. So, Braden, Will, thank you all for joining me. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to our conversation. So, Braden, tell us, what are you doing right now? School ahead, where are you in schooling? What's upcoming? So, just give us an update. Yeah, so I am starting my sophomore year at North Green University. I'm majoring in Christian Studies, just the basic ministry degree. Not really sure what my future looks like quite yet, but I'm trusting in the Lord and know He will provide for me His plan when I get there. But this fall, I got some hard classes. I got some good classes I'm looking forward to. I have Hebrew, which is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, no. And also, <laughs> a it's called PTRW, Principles of Theological Research and Writing. Okay. So that's a it's another hard class. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited for it. I have missed being at school mystery around my friends and I can't wait to hear how God used them this summer from camp all the way to Southeast Asia. Yeah, we're fully expecting to get some NGU endorsement here because we sat down with Abby Farr. She started at North Greenville. Will and I both are in the graduate program, so we really expect some kickback from NGU. (laughs) And it's not a requirement to be on this that you have to be an NGU student, but... Well, grateful for that. So second year. So what's a prayer then as you start your second year? You got freshman year behind you. What are you praying as you head into this year? Just that I can complete all my assignments and at the same time actually glean and learn something from my professors. You know, it's not just checking off a box. I I really want to learn and have the experience that they're giving me. So I'm excited, excited for it, but I don't just want to get the grade. Mm. I want to get the information and get the knowledge. So. Yeah, that's a great way to pray as you begin. It's so easy to get just overwhelmed with school that you become assignment focused and 
just that you know God will give you that vision of how he wants to use it. So, well, we're going to be talking about Utah missions. And so I just want to start out. Our church has a partnership in Utah and we work really hard to prepare well to serve the folks in Utah. We love the people of Utah and we want to minister well. We want to show compassion, but we want to share the truth. So as we talk, we just want to give that disclaimer up front. Some of the things that we share are going to talk about the LDS church and how we believe the gospel needs to be shared to those who are in the LDS church. But our goal is not to speak in any way against them in a way that would cut down what they are walking through. We recognize they are living in the midst of a false worldview as we believe it. And so we want to share the truth, but do that in love. So sure. my prayer is that's going to just resonate all throughout our conversation. So, Will, you jump in here. Love to hear you ask a question here. You got one? Yeah. So um, let's talk about Utah. How did Utah get on your radar, and what is it about Utah that impacted your prayer life? Is that a radar? Is that like a football team? What? Radar. 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 Oh, on your radar. Radar. Okay. You got you to excuse the accent. You know, <laughs> down here in Travers Rest, right. we, we don't speak too clearly sometimes. Yeah, so actually I was introduced to Utah Missions when Pastor Michael first came on staff here at Locust Hill. He kind of casted a vision for doing missions work in Utah, and I never really looked into it. But I had a conversation with him about it and looked into it a little bit more. And then in the fall, I actually signed up for a week-long trip with North Greenville, through the Institute of Global Leadership under the direction of Dr. Alan McWhite. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my first experience in that. And then I started reading some books by Dr. Travis Kearns and some other leading writers when it comes to LDS theology and evangelism with the LDS. So that's kind of how I got into it. And it really just praying in advance, like I, I wasn't expecting to serve for the whole summer. Yeah. I was just planning on serving that first week with North Greenville. And then God really pushed me and led me to do Jensen. And it was just such a cool experience and just, just really wild how the Lord worked to get me to that point. You know, I, I had my plan and then God had a different plan. Wow. And I'm so grateful that he led me and gave me the power to submit to his will. And I served in Utah for the summer and I'm so grateful for it. So. So you went out there for one week, right? Yeah. You came back home, and then you went back out there the rest of the summer. What were some misconceptions you had just out there after being out there just for one week that were that you had once you went back out for the whole time the rest of your summer? So I went out there for the week, and that first week was very was very guided and scripted, and we had a schedule, mm -hmm. and it was a lot of it was a lot of good, a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I did a lot. And then I was thinking, oh, yeah, I served a week out here. I'm going to come back two weeks later, and I'm going to know exactly what to do every <laughs> single day. Yep. And I got to, like, day two, and I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do. Right. But just even through that, like, the Lord was gracious and kind to guide me on a daily basis and almost telling me where to go. Mm. And I could tell where the Lord was working and where he wasn't working. So it was just cool to be able to find these pockets of, where God's at work. So, I love that you mentioned that because I think that's a lot of what our church planners experience. Many of them are coming from serving on a church staff. They have an established calendar. They know what they're doing on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And we experienced that as we served overseas. 
suddenly on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. And so there is a real sense of, all right, Lord, I need you to direct me. Mm-hmm. So you experienced that then as you went back yeah. a longer period of time. So uh, you were there a week. You came back. You spent a couple of weeks home. Yes. Went on vacation really quick. And then it was time to go back. Yeah. So what were the, those emotions as you anticipated now going back to Utah? You know, now you're staying for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. So what were some of those emotions? I was very excited to be back. You know, going into the first week, I was like, I'm just going to kind of get a feel for the land and talk to some people. But that's not really my focus. Like my focus was the summer because our evangelism strategy is to build relationships and share the gospel in those relationships. Well, it's really hard to build a relationship when you're only going to be there for a week. So I kind of tried to build relationships and then being able to further those when I got back. Yeah. But that first week I was just t- just learning, being quiet and just listening to kind of get a feel for everything. And then I came back home and the second I stepped out of uh, Greenville Spartanburg Airport, it's just the humidity hit me <laughs> and it was just, whew. but that was a big struggle that I faced is like just even within those two weeks was just struggling to figure out like what to do and pre- preparation for this upcoming summer. And I was like, I'm going to spend as much time as I can in, in prayer and Bible study. And just even through that, like the Lord taught me so many things just about like Utah and about how I need to kind of change my gospel presentation to better fit the worldview of the LDS And just during that two weeks, the Lord taught me a lot, just coming back from getting a feel for it and like, okay, now use what you learned from that first week to better apply it for this next eight weeks. And that was, it was just a good two weeks, kind of get a feel and then take a step back, learn, digest, process, and then go back out there for what the Lord has called me to for the summer. So, All right. So you were down in Provo, Utah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Was it a... Beautiful area. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So, I, I love Provo. It had yeah. the, it's a big, it's a college town because it is the home of BYU, Brigham Young University, which is the LDS-owned church, uh, the church-owned university there, and they have about 34,000 students. So it's a very young town, and it's, it's historic. The Center Street, the downtown was very historic, so it still had that small town, old town vibes that I just... I, I loved and I, I enjoyed. There was always something going on and always a chance to get to talk to people. So, All right. So you arrive there. You're in beautiful Provo. You start talking to people. They're just like folks in South Carolina. Their worldview, their experiences, right? What would you describe? How would you describe it? That's uh, very different from the Bible Belt. Okay. So the worldview is they hold closely to the LDS worldview and how the LDS just looks at the Bible and other churches' teachings and all kinds of things. So it was, just, it was hard because when we were talk about the gospel and talk about the Bible, a lot of them would believe and say that we think and know that believe the same thing. Right. And that's probably the biggest uh, obstacle that we would face, specifically in Provo and probably most of all Utah, that the LDS believe and think that we think and believe the same thing as they do. Right. But when you get down to it, it's it's vastly different. It's a completely different gospel. It's a completely different Jesus when you get down to yeah. it. So. Yeah. 
We'll talk about that some more in just a minute. Will, you want to jump in? Yeah, so um, talk about just like a typical day that you have in Utah. You wake up, go to sleep, like what happens in between? And then tell us like some of the best parts and worst parts of your trip out there. Yeah, so just a typical day. It just one really cool thing was we got to kind of make our own schedule. So our team leader, Ben Neiser, who is the church planner at Mosaic and Provo, Mm -hmm. he's kind of laissez-faire in a sense. He's like, y'all are adults. Y'all can choose what you do. Go out and do it. Mm -hmm. And he kind of, we would meet with him on a weekly basis and he would teach us and commission us and kind of prepare us and encourage us when we were feeling discouraged. But primarily it was, a very individual trip, very individual time, and I got to wake up and go do whatever. Um, and a lot of times, I spent a lot of time on Utah Valley University's campus, which is another uh, university just north of Provo, about five minutes north, and it's the biggest university in Utah with about 39,000 students. Yeah. So I would actually go there primarily on lunchtime and go look for those people who were sitting alone, eating alone, and just go up and talk to them and ask them like how their day going, how their day was going. And then just through that, I was able to get into a gospel conversation. And that's primarily the whole goal. Like we were given a goal to have three gospel conversations a day. And we would just go out somewhere in the community and do that. So Utah Valley was a big one. Uh, Coffee shops were a big place. Just other other shops, other stores just down in Provo. And just throughout the summer, like, there would be certain days that I go to a coffee shop. I'd make a routine. Oh, on Friday mornings, I want to go to this coffee shop and talk to this barista because he works that morning. And just kind of figuring out, like, routines and your places where you would serve and be during the summer. And along with that, like I mentioned earlier, Provo always had something going on. So if there was a little event, we'd try to go to it, whether it be like a – a band playing or just a little farmer's market, whatever it may be. We tried to be very involved in the community. Right. And one thing that we loved was we actually lived in a house that is owned by the North American Mission Board, and it's just south of BYU. So it's in university student housing. So two nights a week, we would, Tuesday nights, we had a Bible study. On Thursday night, we just had a hangout. Mm. So I guess you could say that we were those neighbors. <laughs> we were always making a loud noise. Yeah. We were always out on the front yard throwing frisbee, playing spike ball. And it was just a really cool experience to be able to open up the house and let all these other college students, as they were walking by, just be able to talk with them. Mm. And it was just a cool experience to be able to use the house as the main form of ministry, really. Wow, that's good. So again, what are some of the um, best parts and worst parts of your mission this summer? Uh, the best parts just really having those really deep conversations with the relationships that I made and the people who I met and was able to meet with multiple times after that. And mm-hmm. that was just really cool, even though I never saw any fruit from it. Like it was it was hard because I would have to deal with, oh, well, we believe that, too. And then. I'd have to show them in their own scriptures in the Book of Mormon and their Doctrine and Covenants that the church doesn't teach that. And just being able to show like what the Bible actually teaches versus what they've been taught what the Bible teaches. And it was just really cool to be able to see like almost scales coming off their eyes. Like 
I, I never saw any fruit from it, but just being able to plant a seed wow. about like what the Bible teaches, about what evangelical Christianity is, and just being able to explain like how they see it and their misconceptions versus how it really is was right. just such a cool experience. And I would, I love doing that and I would love to be able to do it again. Mm. The worst parts were just, some days were just hard. Like the days when I wasn't meeting with the people who I'd built relationships with, when I'm just going out and just seed sowing and planting seeds and trying to build connections and just constantly being told no, just being that constant rejection and being an outlier. Like I would go to a store and I was the first Christian to ever step in that store that day. And like just thinking like that, like it was it was hard because everyone you talked to almost was LDS. Mm. And it was, it was hard facing a lot of rejection on some days, but God was good through it all. And he was able to show me that like the rejection doesn't mean like it's the end. Like, mm. it was just cool to know that I can plant a seed and then still reject me. Mm. And I would still still take the opportunity to plant a seed, even though it led to rejection. So, so one of your strategies was going to the coffee shop. Mm. We go to coffee shops here. Why is that a unique strategy in Utah? <laughs> Why are coffee shop folks very potential pro, you know, prospects? Yeah. <laughs> Why are we reaching out to coffee shop folks in Utah? Mm. Yeah, so actually the LDS teaches in their word of wisdom. It was by one of their prophets, and it's basically do's and don'ts. And one of their don'ts is not to drink coffee. So in Provo, with a population of 300,000, there were like three coffee shops. And I probably passed three coffee shops today, just here in (laughs) Greenville. And so it was really rare to just find good coffee in the first place. But it was rare to find a lot of people in coffee shops. But those who were in coffee shops were either thinking about leaving the LDS church or had already left the LDS church and had turned to some other worldview or religion. And in the coffee shops, it was really easy to get into those conversations because especially when I tell them, oh, I'm from South Carolina. They're like, oh, what are you doing here? Opening dialogue there, that's awesome. And it was just really easy to get into those, and I learned a lot. It was a lot of different religions because a lot of them had left the LDS church, and like, well, that was about as most organized religion as I can get. I want to get the complete opposite. So one thing I actually encountered was Norse paganism. Mm. It was actually a, a big thing that we saw, and... It's basically a belief in the gods of the Marvel movies characters oh, like wow. Thor, yeah. Odin, and Loki. And like it was a wild worldview, war and they claimed that that was their religion. But primarily it was turning away from the LDS church and getting as far away as possible from it. Right. And at the end of the day, it was just a bunch of people who were hurt and wanted to feel accepted and wanted to feel loved and just being able to show them like the God of this universe loves them. Mm -hmm. And like, it was hard because they're like, Oh yeah, I've already had that. And I'm like, you've had something else. This is, you've had religion. This is a relationship. Mm -hmm. And like, even those conversations were really cool. But yeah, I think that's the very sad and challenging reality and having partnered with Utah for several years now, having the church planners say, as folks turn away from LDS beliefs, 
they don't quickly turn to Christianity. Mm-hmm. There's what's typically described as a seven-year period, and a lot of that is atheism or witchcraft and a lot of other things. So you go out to Utah with this preconceived idea of a very religious culture, and yet there are segments that mm-hmm. are very anti-religious. Mm-hmm. So I think knowing that helps us to know how to pray for our church planners that are serving there. It's a hard place, yeah. and folks that have turned away from LDS are often very much against religion. So they kind of put up that wall. So it's kind of always interesting. Coffee shops are a great stop stopping point because you know, hey, wait a minute, this doesn't line up with yeah. LDS, with that word of wisdom. So you were connected with Mosaic. Now, kind of tied in with this, let's just talk about North American Mission Board because maybe some of our listeners, they don't know North American Mission Board, church planting, obviously Mosaic is a key part of that. So talk about your time with Mosaic and what is North American Mission Board? What are they doing there? Yeah, so the North American Mission Board is really seeking and wanting to put as many churches in Utah. I know a statistic, I think, between Utah and Idaho, there's only like 180 Southern Baptist churches. Mm-hmm. And I think in Greenwood County alone, I think there's over 200. Mm-hmm. Right. We have 90 plus in our association yeah. alone. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, just thinking about like those numbers statistically, like Utah is a big state and Idaho is another big state. And right. There's such small conventions that they're actually one Southern Baptist convention. Mm. So when we have South Carolina Southern Baptist, they have Utah and Idaho. Correct. Because there's just not many biblical churches and not just even churches outside of the SBC, like in Provo and Metro Provo and Orem area with a population about 300,000, there were five biblical churches. Mm. And just, I mean, that just blows me away because... I passed four churches on my way to get here in a 10-minute drive. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's wild. So I really love what the North American Mission Board is doing in Utah. And they're just trying to get more churches and more people, more evangelical Christians out there to share with the, the truth of the Bible um, in such a lost and dark place. So Mosaic's a part of that. They have been planted for about three years now. And it started for them probably 10 years ago, when Ben Neiser, the team leader who for the Jensen cohort, he actually got there about 10 years ago and just started building relationships, basically what I was doing, but for the full time, doing it all, to, all 24-7, 365. And from that, he was able to build a lot of relationships, and that led to a, an interfaith dialogue event, and that led to a Bible study, and then... I guess one rainy day, they decided to plant a church and to start. So they started in fall of 2020 and they had a couple of the pastors come alongside them who were backed by the North American Mission Board. And it's just crazy just hearing about what it was in 2020 to hear what it is now. Mm. Um, they started out with like 15 people and now they've grown to averaging about a hundred every week. And it's just so cool to see like that church just so alive and so eager for the biblical gospel. And it's not all evangelical Christians. I'd probably say like 85% are, but there's a lot of 15, that last 15% are the connections that the Christians there have made and have brought them in. So one of the coolest things I was able to see is 
those who had came out of the LDS church to follow Christ and then are actually trying to lead others to Christ. Yes. And it's like, not, oh, well, I came out and I needed this long time to get it. It's like instantly. Like they came out, they accepted Christ, and then are automatically sharing the gospel with yep. others. And it was a, such a cool picture because it was such just uh, word-driven and the church was just so biblically faithful. And the members and congregants, they were just so hungry for the Word of God. Right. And one of my favorite things was I would get the, we'd help set up every Sunday morning because they actually meet in a wedding venue. And then getting to take a step back after everything had been set up and people start coming in. And it's just like, I would have to stay, take a step back because every Sunday it was just like biblical fellowship. Like mm-hmm. just believers coming together like as one family. Because in Utah, like if you leave the LDS church, like it's likely that you're going to be kicked out of your family. Right. And hearing the stories of those who were kicked out and pushed out and excommunicated from their families coming together with the family of Christ. Like it's truly giving a new meaning of like the family of Christ and like what it means to be the family of Christ. Yeah. I think you can look at Ben's story because I met him first in 2020. So mm-hmm. this was very early on with Mosaic. He was just coming out of his events he was doing on the BYU campus. He was preaching Jesus Christ alone as the hope of our salvation. Mm. And he was told he was not allowed on campus anymore. He was kicked off campus. So folks, when we think about LDS beliefs, if they believe the same as we do, then why was Ben Niger kicked off campus for preaching Christ alone as the hope of our salvation? So that was the impetus to say, all right, we got to move down the road, the Bible study, just took off it became that core group that now is mosaic church mm-hmm. it's amazing to see that ministry and david that now serves right alongside him and so i think it's a reminder it's not the same story mm-hmm. because they would not allow him to continue on campus yeah. because of the message he was preaching so will you want to yeah. jump in i love hearing him just just talk about that it always gives me such a holy spirit vibe um, every time he discussed the worship service at Mosaic and their faithfulness. Um, and it really reminds me, you know, out there in this place where there is no hope. Right. That Mosaic yeah. is a, a source of that hope. It's a, giving them the biblical Jesus. And, and it just blows my mind um, how many people would just come in there and say, hey, I'm going to be faithful. Um, and I love that. But one of the questions I have uh, is how has that experience with Mosaic burdened you even more for the LDS. Just seeing like how the the members of Mosaic react uh, acted and spent time with the LDS mm-hmm. like it was just really cool to see like they truly just love them mm-hmm. and like they're just friends with them and building those connections and it's not just like for me, like I'm like, oh, I'm going to share the gospel with this every single day, like every chance I get. But they were just like, there's just so much love and compassion for them. And just getting to hear like the stories of those who had come out of the LDS church, just like lost, hope, hopeless, desperate, like wanting more, like wanting security and like wanting, just wanting joy. And they come to Christ and you just see like day and night difference. And just seeing how like, hearing the stories of those who had came out from going from death to life under a bondage of slavery of the law and falling and obedience to Christ who brings freedom. And it was just so freeing to just sit down and talk with those who have left the LDS church and just hear their stories about how they were 
in slavery and Christ gave them freedom. And it was just from that, like getting to even evangelize and share the gospel alongside them. Like I would always like, hey, you want to come talk to my friend Jordan? He was actually and like he was one of the ex-LDS and he would share with them like how he understands what it meant to be LDS and then how his life changed after accepting Christ. I think a resource that really has been impactful for us is Journey of Grace, Shane and Dixie Wise. And so if any of our listeners, they have a friend who is LDS or has come out of LDS beliefs, Journey of Grace is a great resource. Videos that walk through six sessions where Shane and Dixie share their story of coming out of Mormonism into biblical Christianity. So rather than us give kind of a clouded view of what Mormonism is, Mm -hmm. they can listen to Shane and Dixie Wise, just like you're sharing with Jordan. Let them share the story. And when we hear their testimony, there is no doubt this is not the same story. This is a different Jesus. Uh, As so many have said, and I know Travis Kearns has shared this, we may be saying the same words, but we're using a different dictionary. And the more you look into Mormonism, you see we're saying a lot of the same things, but they don't mean the same thing. Uh, So that's a great resource. Well, how did you grow? And just as you reflect back, you've been home for a few weeks now. Looking back at the opportunity, how has it really stretched your faith but also just your call to ministry, because no doubt this is impacted where you see God using you in the days ahead. So what would you share as a testimony? So much, but one thing that's specifically come to mind is just my evangelism and how like, you know, I would pray on a daily basis for the Lord to give me an opportunity to share the gospel. And for me, that looked like someone coming up to me and talking to me. But this summer, the Lord taught me, I've given you opportunities. It's that person who's sitting at the table across you at the coffee shop. And it's the barista. Like, he's given us opportunities. It's just up to us to surrender to his will, surrender to his spirit, and take them. That was one of the biggest things is just, like, how easy it was to get into a gospel conversation. And, like, for me, I share the gospel like once every two or three weeks here in the Bible Belt, but going from two or three weeks to sharing it two or three times a day, Mm, like that just pushed me and challenged me. And along with that, like understanding the culture of which I'm in and adapting my gospel presentation to better fit their worldview, like the Acts 17 model. I love that when Mm. Paul goes to the Aragopagus and understands and studies their worldview and then changes and shifts his gospel presentation, right. not the gospel. He, the gospel is the same, but the way he presents it to better fit their worldview. And that was just one thing that the Lord taught me and how to how to do and to do that rightly and fittingly. So I don't just go in Bible bashing them, as it's so commonly said. But that was one way, like adapting my gospel presentation. And another way is, is just prayer, like I know, Will, you say all the time that every movement of God started with diligent, intentional prayer. Yeah, yeah. Something along it's those Jay lines. Or, or quote, yeah. yeah. And, like, if I didn't wake up every morning and spend 20, 30 minutes in prayer for my day, like, mm-hmm. I would not have been able to continue on. Like, it is only by His, yet not I, but Christ in me. Like, wow. it's His power. It's not, if I try to do it on my power and my strength, it's going to fall short. Mm. And like one thing that I learned a lot is 
when I share the gospel, it shouldn't be most of my words, it should be most of his. Yes. Yeah. Like I know Isaiah 55, 11 yes. says that the word of God will not return void. Right. So I realized like when I would, when I would speak or use my apologetic or use my study and like, I'm like, well, this, this is going one in one year, in one ear and out the other. Right. But yeah. when I would share the Bible and show them in the Bible, like where it says that, it was just so, in, so enriching to see like, truly that the word of God does not return void. Amen. Well, I know our folks can go to the North American Mission Board website, look at the Gen Send partnership. How would you encourage someone? This is open to college students is what I understand. Yeah. So any college students, they can go and look at the info about Gen Send. How would you encourage them to take that step? I would definitely encourage you to do that. It's going to put you... So Jensen is basically a collegiate program through the North American Mission Board to introduce college students to church planting. And I think there's like 20 or 30 different cities all across the continent. And I was able to serve in Salt Lake, but specifically Provo. There's four cohorts in Utah classified as Salt Lake under the Jensen but just anywhere would be really cool. Just going somewhere that's not where you are, mm. go into a different culture, a different context, and getting to share the gospel intentionally and diligently early and often was such a cool experience. And I encourage everyone to do it. You don't have to be a Christian studies major. You don't have to be called to ministry to share mm. the gospel. I would say, like, it'd be better if you weren't because in Utah and these places, like, I can't just go into Utah and get a job with a Christian studies degree. Right? Yeah, that's right. But if you have a nursing degree, if you have a business degree, like you can go and be a light in the hospital, in right. the business yeah. office. And like, that's probably the biggest need for Utah is that they need more boots on the ground. Mm. And they need more evangelical Christians to be there and to share the Bible and share the hopes of the Bible and to ultimately to share Christ. So. Awesome. So I would say as we wrap up the Change Lives, Chasing Lives podcast, um, what were some ways you think that we could pray for missionaries and mission teams for the future of going out there? Just for more boots on the ground primarily and for more church plants to come. Okay. I know there's a lot of church plants in the works already. I know Locust Hill is partnered with Valley Light Church mm-hmm. in West Valley. We need to be intentionally praying for them on a, on a daily basis. That's right. Because it's not just a Sunday thing that they face. Like They face the hardships and the ministry on a daily basis in Utah. And just being able to hear about what they're doing is really encouraging, but also burdens me to pray for them on a daily basis. Along with that, Mosaic's planning another church mm-hmm. up in Vineyard. And just God God is working in Utah, and it's incredible to see. I was able to see four people come to Christ this summer, which is extremely unexpected. And I, I know for a fact that God is working in Utah, and I can't wait to join alongside Him in prayer and potentially going back out there. Yeah. Yeah. There's one way, one of the church planners, he said, I'm just going to be very blunt with my challenge to all of you. I want you to pray daily. Mm-hmm. I want you to give monthly. And I want you to come yearly. Yeah. I said, hey, that's a pretty simple way to look at it. Praying it. daily, giving monthly, and coming yearly. Mm-hmm. So that's our prayer as a church. We're partnering, as you said, with Valley Light to give monthly, challenging our folks to pray daily. Yeah. And we've already had a chance to go for that first partnership trip. It was an amazing, amazing blessing for our team. Right. And we could see the impact immediately. There were folks that just simple door hangers that they got a door hanger and they showed up for one of the preview services. That's just like you say, boots on the ground. 
we were you know a team that was small but we multiplied their efforts yeah. because we were out in a community putting door hangers out they couldn't have covered the amount of ground that we did mm -hmm. so exciting things i love that you got to sit down and share this with us as we talk about change lives changing lives what we're praying is that more folks are moving from sitting to serving yeah. If your life has been changed by Christ, that's not the end of the story. The journey of sanctification is growing, maturing in our faith, which means we're then propelled out, mostly out of our comfort zone. Definitely took you out of your comfort zone this summer, serving in Utah. And so we're thrilled to be able to hear that. So we'll be praying for how God's going to use this as you just seek the Lord. And we're excited about how God is at work in Utah. So thank you for sitting down with us. Absolutely.